Welcome to The Practice Podcast, a show created by lawyers to help lawyers in life and business without all the complicated lawyer language. Let's welcome Bast Amron founders and your hosts, Jeff Bast and Brett Amron. Hello and welcome to The Practice Podcast. I am Jeff Bast. And I'm Brett Amron. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Brett. So today... We have a very special guest, and I dare I say, is this our first guest from outside of the state of Florida on the Practice Podcast? Might mm. be. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Saida Segovia-Taylor, welcome back. You have not been a guest on our podcast, but you graced us with your presence at a forum last year and sat on a wonderful panel talking about mental health and well-being, physical mental health and well-being for people generally and those uh, in a work environment. And we really thought that what you... That was 2020. 2020, thank you. What you talked about and all of the work you're doing, and I'm going to get into that in a minute, was so great. We wanted to bring you back and talk about that. And so let me introduce you. Saida Segovia-Taylor has 25 years of experience working in nonprofits with Black and Latino youth and families in Chicago, promoting racial and environmental justice, physical spiritual health, and the oneness of humankind and religion. And it is this oneness that we're going to talk about today. In 2019, Saida founded and is the executive director of a nonprofit called Organic Oneness. Together with her nine board members, she has countless volunteers and multitude of community partners, they promote the interconnectedness of all people and the environment through community trainings, programs, and events. Organic Oneness is also building structures to help social activists prevent illness, burnout, and compassion fatigue. That all sounds amazing. Welcome, Saida Segovia-Taylor. Thank you so much. And I love that bio, wherever you got that from. I need it. I would take credit. I would take credit. <laughs> However, awesome. I am not permitted to take credit. I took credit for lifting that. <laughs> from and slightly moderate, but lifting it from your profile on LinkedIn, which please go and follow Saida on LinkedIn because she is a great follower. They're doing great things in Chicago. And so Saida, let me ask you the first question. What is organic oneness? So organic oneness, as you alluded to, is a nonprofit organization that co-creates. That's one of the key words here that co-creates with communities to mobilize systemic change, healing and wellness foregrounding black, indigenous and people of color. And foregrounding is another very important word. And we were very careful in constructing what is our purpose And so for the current time being of what humanity is going through, we felt that this captured what we naturally do as board members and as staff and people wanting to rebuild society and to dismantle some of the toxic and awful policies that are in place, hateful practices. And so we felt that this mission or this purpose suited our skill set and what we did naturally as people. You emphasize the word co-create. What did you mean by co-create? Why was that important? So co-create is all of us coming together and creating a solution together. A lot of the times when people conduct service or want to do something good, they actually impose 
their mindset, they impose their lens and what they think is the solution onto a community. And so when you're co-creating, you're actually bringing people to the table that are in the community that aren't necessarily, you know, these important stakeholders. And that's good too. But we're looking at what are the youth saying? What are parents saying? What are business leaders saying or, you know, just the person in the community that wants to make a difference? What are their thoughts? Because a lot of the times they have the solutions. They just don't have the platform to be loud about it or mobilize an entire community or a lot of people to follow it. So co-create is us using a consultative process where we're all just trying to get to the truth of a matter. And so that word is very important in our entire fabric of the organization. To me, that is shouldn't be groundbreaking, but it is, right? Like bringing the people who could be impacted by laws, by positions that you know local governments or business owners even, we'll get to that in a minute, take bringing in people who may be impacted by that to hear what they have to say. Is right. that sort of the... And you said these are not the stakeholders, but I would say they are. They are the stakeholders, right? right? Yeah. I mean, they may not be the people out in front or the people with the big names or maybe the big wallets, but they are the people with the actual, you know, they are the actual stakeholders. Yeah. They're the ones that are living with these decisions, you know, and a lot of the times what I find is that elected officials, as hard as they try to get to every person in their area they sometimes miss the majority of the people that are going to be impacted by the laws or policies that are put in place. And then they're reprimanded for not following it because they didn't even know about it. And so it's just like, you know, you have to have everyone at the table in order for us to move as a unit Mm -hmm. while we advance society. You know, we can't do these things disjointedly. Oftentimes the folks, the people with the greatest access and the loudest voices are the ones who utilize the services the least or require their use the least. So yeah, I love that concept. And I actually think about it, you know, translating it into the work world. You know, it's just, it's the concept of collaboration, which is one of, for our firm, one of our core values, just working together to achieve an objective but hearing from really everybody that participates in a process. And in our view is decision-making is best when you have diversity of opinions, views, backgrounds, levels, ages, you know, everything else. So, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a holistic view when you do that. That's fabulous that you guys do that. One other question, this kind of might be a big one, but you have this word that appears in the name of your organization and in other places throughout your many bios. If you look Zyda up, um, if you Google her, you will see her in many places. She's everywhere, but she's truly a social justice advocate. And, but the word oneness comes up everywhere. What does that really mean, oneness? Yeah, yeah. So that definitely is a loaded word that's also super basic. (laughs) So oneness means that, so there's a quote on my website and it says, we belong to an organic unit. And when one part of the organism suffers, the rest of the body will feel its consequences. And so it's this idea that we're connected. We are one unit. Humanity is one unit, and that unit encompasses the world and the earth. And so if we truly dig deep into that, 
when I'm looking at another human being, I'm actually looking at another version of myself, right? Like I'm spiritually, I am mentally, I am connected to everybody that is on earth. And if they're hurting in some way or they're in pain or they're lacking the basic needs or they are not able to fulfill their purpose in life, it's impacting my way of being in life. And that's, you know, where the word justice comes in to play is, are we being just with each other? Are we being just with the earth? Are we being just with everything that comes in front of us? And there's this contract, right? Like if we think of the human body, if I hurt my pinky, that's going to impact everything for the rest of the day until that pinky is healed. And we don't even think about the pinky until it's hurting. But (laughs) what we have to do is care for our entire body and look at humanity the same way that like, yeah, I'm not thinking about that neighborhood over there, but I should because if they're not doing well, that's impacting my neighborhood. And there's just this commonality through all of humanity, even in my mom's family comes from Colombia. My dad's family comes from Honduras. And I can easily in America say, oh, I'm not connected to that. You know, like the problems over there, I'm not going through any of that right now. I have a good life here in America. In reality, my father and my mother are in pain from what's happening over there. Mm-hmm. Their pain is impacting me. I have cousins that are still over there. I have people that I'm related to that I don't even know. And so to think that they're going through this pain, how can I over here live in this luxury and not think of a way to help? How can I, you know, and so now that secondhand trauma, whatever we want to call it, is impacting my life. I just have to open my heart to recognize how I'm connected. And that's where humanity falls short. So, is that we don't open our hearts. Yeah. So is there, I mean, that amazing, so basic, right? But amazing in that we are a, a global community. But on your website, you say there is a dire need and an urgency, right? For all of us to understand this, what you just explained and the interconnectedness and that we're all one human family. And you founded Organic Oneness in 2019. I mean, was there an event or what sort of led you to get to this point where you said, we need to do this and I need to start this organization and we need to go down this path? Yeah. Yeah. So there's multiple entry points that kind of led to right Mm -hmm. now. So as a Baha'i, that's my faith. Some of the principles are elimination of prejudices of all kinds, gender equality, universal education, spiritual solutions to economic problems. You know, so I grew up in this faith and I've been learning about different writings. How do we get to these solutions? How do we help advance society? So that was my upbringing. And then when my husband and I got married, he's also Baha'i. And we're always talking about a path of service, that we should always be in service, be in this humble posture of learning when working with others. We should always have that in our mindset. And so when we got married, we decided to move to Bronzeville so that we could be of service. And he had a mentoring group at that time. The children came from the Robert Taylor homes. And so that was just our life at that moment in time. And so I began to work in the school system 
and I joined different councils, different committees, and the Greater Bronzeville Community Action Council here in Bronzeville is led by amazing community leaders and they bring together the principals, they bring together the stakeholders, the parents, everybody. There's like 70 people in a room for each meeting. And this was about 2015 is when I joined that. And we were talking about the school closures that happened in 2012. We talked about just the state of education on the South Side in our community. And we talked about trauma because there were a lot of and still are a lot of shootings and killings, unfortunately. And so trauma was a big thing that we talked about. And a lot of people wanted to talk about the trauma of the killing, but I wanted to get to the root cause of what's causing this trauma, you know? And when you get to the root of everything, it's racism and the legacy of slavery in this country and how our institutions and how everything was built. And so that's what's kind of keeping this divide of communities. And that's what's keeping. And so a wonderful mentor and spiritual auntie of mine is Dr. Joy DeGruy. And she has been at the forefront of talking about all this work. And so we brought her to Chicago so that everyone can be informed and build their capacity around this issue. And it was a year-long initiative the projects got bigger and bigger and the funding, you know, it went from needing 9000 to $50,000 to 90000 You know, it just kept getting bigger and bigger to train and have people come and be a part of this movement. And funders were just saying, Saida, why don't you start your own nonprofit? You know, you're using this fiscal agent for that. You're using this fiscal agent for this other project. You know, like, why don't you just start your own? Well, easy to say for some that have the deep pockets. Um, and so I had to start putting things in place. And that took actually a long time from 2017 to 2019. I was chipping away at how do I build this? What would it be called? You know, how, what does this even mean? And so the community members that I have been working with throughout the decades, they became my board members. I was like, hey, you guys, I have this funder that is willing and he's a gracious, most humble human being. His name is Steve Sarowitz. I do have to give him props for everything that he's doing in the world and how he's assisted us with the, the foundational building of organic oneness. And so he helped us get up and going. Everyone that I had been working with became board members. And so we're just really continue the work that we've been doing. It's just now housed under organic oneness. And all my board members are active. They have projects. So all the things that you see on our website, all the projects that you see, it's actually coming from my board members, from friends saying, we need to do this. The community hasn't come out together because of Zoom. I'm so tired of it. Okay, what should we do? You know, (laughs) and then we find money and then we do it, you know, so that's kind of how it's been built is everyone coming with their solution and we figure out how to put it into practice. And congratulations to you on that and what a you know terrific concept. And I love that, you know, that idea of oneness. I mean, there's so many aspects to that that, you know, I think can translate well. It's community, collaboration, and it's this idea. I think that the idea that you were, you know, mentioning this with the examples of relatives in Colombia, it's not even just who people that you're related to, it's people that you're not related to and how 
we really share a common bond in everything we do. I mean, I think somebody on the East Coast of the United States might say, oh, I don't care about a drought in California or wildfires there. And, you know, I'm trying to translate it to today. It doesn't affect me, but it really does. And actually, we're seeing now smoke from those wildfires make their way all the way to the East Coast. And in, even in the pandemic, I think the pandemic has really illustrated for us maybe in more concrete terms than we ever appreciated before, that the air we breathe, we actually share with each other. And so now we're all wearing masks and, you know, as an example of that, but how what I breathe out, you're breathing in. And so we truly are physically, not just spiritually, emotionally, everything connected and one. And what we do impacts each other. And that's, you know, we do better when we work together. As a community and a community, Brett and I have talked about this in other podcasts and at our forums and community is not just your neighborhood. It's any group of people with whom you share a relationship or a common goal, whether it's your church or your temple or a club you're in or a sports group or whatever it is, the people you work with or your community and Mm -hmm. the importance of sharing and respecting each other and making sacrifices for each other cannot be underestimated. Yeah, exactly. And that takes us back to the quote that Brett mentioned that's on my website, that there's a dire need and urgency for us to understand that we are one human family and we are witnessing the danger of believing we are not interconnected. Well, and and not to, sorry to jump in, not to get into, you know, we're not going to get into politics and we're going to stay out of all of that, but you you see, (laughs) you see uh, for, you know, we, we don't want to do that, but you see how communities in the, as you guys alluded to and Jeff alluded to the pandemic and illness and all that stuff moving around and what happens when people don't think that way and they don't think that, well, my actions are going to have an impact on somebody else, you know, and there's an interconnectedness there. And so, I mean, it's like you guys were on, it seems like you guys were on the cutting edge, (laughs) you know, unknowingly, I mean, in terms of sort of, what was going to happen? I mean, when you started this organization, I know you've been doing the work for so long, but starting the organization in 2019, little did you know, or any of us could know that a year later, right? Literally, there is this huge example of the interconnectedness of all of us. Right, right. Yeah. The struggle is that we tend to unite on oneness when they're, you know, we unite typically out of tragedy or a struggle. So uh, an earthquake or a storm or a pandemic, those, those are the opportunities that bring us together. But it's what you're trying to do, I think, is bring us together before there's a tragedy. Right. You know? And I know we're not going to get into politics or anything, but I, you know, I think there's a lot of studies that say that, you know, that show how violence and crime and general decline with an increase in social and community services and religious services in in particular communities. And so obviously what you're doing relates directly to that. But I think it also translates to the workplace to just the idea that we're better off working together. I mean, that's just like most species, you know, look at ants, you know, one ant on their own is, you know, can't do anything, but they work together really well, you know? And so we're the same way. Yeah, exactly. And if you, you know, think of the global human family, like the body, whenever there, I think of like how the body really functions, right? Like when there's an injury, then all your, is it the white T cells? You know, like all the energy goes towards that Mm -hmm. injury to fix it. To fix it, yeah. Right. Right? But 
we have to figure out, and this is our struggle all the time, is how do we maintain the body so that it's in its purest, healthiest way of being so that we can thrive, so that we can think straight, so that our heart is functioning at full capacity, so that our organs are getting what they need, you know, so that's the preventative. So a lot of spiritual communities, they're like, you know, we need to pray every day, putting out good energy. We have the health gurus that are always like, you know, we got to tend to the earth, our environmentalists, we have to be preventative. So how do we get ahead of all of this illness? It's called healthcare, and- not sick. Health- yeah, exactly. Right, 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 you know, right. Healthcare. And, and in America, we're really known for treating illness and That's not it. wellness. Yeah, you know? yeah. So we're always in emergency mode, get us out of dying, <laughs> you know, but how do we flip that script and have a different mindset and think of wellness. What do we need to do to be connected and healthy as a society? What do we need to put in place? What practices do we need to develop? What habits do we need to change? And so that's where we need to get everybody. And so how do we love each other? How do we forgive each other? How do we instill these virtues that are compassionate for one another? And that's the mindset that really needs to shift. Yeah. And it starts, I mean, starts with communication, right? And listening and being willing to open to listening to others, right? And have others listen to you. But that's the communication aspect of it, right? I mean, how can you be connected or act in a manner that is that could benefit another group or, you know, have a benefit on numerous groups? without understanding. And I think we started with this, right? Listening to what they have to say. And I think there is a, in an organization, right? Or business, I mean, you could have, you know, you have smaller groups, you may have groups of employees that either unionize, like for a much larger corporation, and they have representation sitting at the table. And, you know, smaller organizations may be able to just talk to everybody and understand what the issues are. You know, in terms of a a city or a state or, or a country, like, how do you do that? I mean, is that a grassroots thing, right? Like, like, oh, well, this entire group, like we don't know because if a group is not organized and they're just a group of people, how do you get that information and that communication? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there are different levels, right? There's the individual level. So we're having this talk to each mm-hmm. other and everyone is accountable for carrying out these values or virtues of like disseminating love and <laughs> being caring and kind, you know, so it starts with ourselves. Holding ourselves accountable is important. You know, how am I impacting? We should always be thinking about that. You know, how are my behaviors and my habits impacting the earth and impacting the people around me? So we get out of this selfishness and we're taught from day one to be independent, you know, to think of your personal needs. How are you going to get ahead? Well, we have to think of the collective also. So how am I able to get ahead for the sake of the group, for the sake of my community? So how can I be my best self for the sake of others and not for my own advancement, not for me to get ahead, not for me to trample anyone on my journey to getting ahead, but how am I lifting up and walking together with everyone and assuring that people have their needs? So that's just at the individual level. Then at the community level, and there are three levels, there's the individual, 
there's the community level and then their institutional level and policies. So at the community level, yeah, we need to come together. And sometimes there isn't that organization. But if you go to a group of like-minded people, that evolves into community naturally. And so it, again, up to the individual to get outside of their comfort zone and to work with others and to figure out who do I connect with? Who just believes in the same things that I do? And then from connecting with others, that builds community naturally. And then communities should learn from each other, you know, go outside your community. Maybe there's a solution there. Maybe there are other people and you just build this cohort of people until you find the ones that do have those organizing skills. And you do find the ones that are like, oh, there is an organization that does believe in this. And then at the institutional level and policy level, everyone really needs to comb through the things that are written in law. And see how it's impacting everyone and ask those questions and hold spaces to learn and be humble about what you're learning. You know, so this sense of humility needs to be instilled in the policyholders and the people that are putting this together and really take a, what is it, a magnifying glass Mm -hmm. at the institutions and ask the questions, why are we functioning this way? And who is it benefiting? Yeah, yeah or not. Or and not. and yeah, exactly. And, you know, so all of us have this responsibility. Not yeah. sure if I answered your question. No, you, <laughs> did, you did actually. To me, you, there are so many. I'm trying, I'm taking down notes because I keep like you, everything you say triggers a thought that I want to share. And I and obviously want to interrupt you. But, you know, you mentioned law. We are lawyers and this, you know, most of our listeners are in the podcast or business people or lawyers and you mentioned the concept of forgiveness as part of what you just described. And I think it's interesting that you know what we practice is bankruptcy primarily, right? Bankruptcy and litigation. And two things you said triggered you know, references to that. One is this concept of forgiveness that bankruptcy is premised on the idea of second chances, a fresh start, that we forgive people for their errors. If you make an honest mistake, you deserve a fresh start. And I think that concept, you know, it's in the law, it was in the constitution, but that concept is forgotten frequently. People are, you know, we, we are lacking forgiveness for people's errors. And then the other idea, this idea that you mentioned about the injury to the pinky, when your pinky is, in, you know, when you're injured, the body is focused its energies on the injury and naturally everything else shifts. And so that same thing happens in the business world with clients that come and they have a, a lawsuit or something, their focus is on the lawsuit and not on their business, you know? And so all these concepts, and I, I'm not saying that what you were saying is about lawsuits or litigation, but these concepts of oneness and forgiveness and working together, they do translate to everyday life in ways that we really don't appreciate. And I think, you know, Brett's question about how do you solve it? You know, one of the thoughts I had was, just longer term thinking versus short term thinking, because everyone's kind of focused on what's going to get me the best, whatever it is tomorrow or today. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a long term. Well, and it's being proactive, right? I mean, we talked, we touched on healthcare very, very briefly, but it's being proactive, right? And it's proactive in thinking and understanding that we're part of life. Like this is not what's in front of me right now. And I have to deal with right now for me, as opposed to thinking, you know, and there's time for that. I get that. But long-term thinking and how to, how that plays out, right? And being proactive as opposed to always being reactive, right? You know, and that'll help, right? Like even with, like we talked about the healthcare, but that helps with 
It helps with communities, helps housing. with housing, it helps it's, with it's transferable to anything. Yeah. Organizations, being proactive, being yeah. I mean, it's just again, the communication, the listening, and then understanding where the issues are and addressing them before right. they really become significant issues, right? Like yeah. we touched on the climate too and climate. I mean, right. I, I read something, I've been dying to throw this out, but it's, I'm going to throw it out anyway, even though it's probably has nothing to do with anything we're talking about today, but has to do with climate, right? And that yeah. is it does this, have a lot this rain event in Greenland. Did anyone read about this? No. What's oh my God. So there's like this point, it's like two miles above sea level on Greenland mm. and it rained for the first time on record ever. It just it. rained. Wow. So what do you mean the first time? It never rained it, over there? Well, no, no because it's a, it's a glacier. Like oh, it's, it's ice. Right, right, right. Greenland, right, right. like right. in this area where it's never rained, it oh rained, it dumped gosh. 7 billion gallons of water. What? Oh my goodness. Which wow. I'm going to throw this out of you so it'll blow your mind even more because it blew my mind. It would fill seven billion gallons of water. So you can so would fill the reflecting pool on the National Mall two hundred and fifty thousand times. Oh my gosh! Wow! I read that and I was like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, right. it's just right. apocalyptic stuff. Well, you know, exactly. but, but this is one of those problems that's hard for us. It's so, it's so difficult. It's so global and so yep. slow moving that you know you have someone has to take a long term approach to, you know, how they handle it. I know we're not going to solve climate change on this podcast, or at least not on this particular episode today, because <laughs> uh, I don't think we have enough time. Other, Stay tuned for the next time. episode. <laughs> that, if we started in the beginning, maybe. But, you know, the idea that, Brett, you just reminded me is like the idea that, in, and uh, Saida said it before, is the, the idea of a social contract, you know, that we all have to just honor our obligation to be members of a society and just do our part. If everyone really just did their part yeah. and utilized just what they needed and didn't try to take advantage of anyone else. And at our kids' school, Brett and, our, Brett and my kids go to school together. They have this concept called obedience to the unenforceable, which I love. You know, yep. it's how do you act when no one's looking? You know, a stop sign doesn't mean you stop only if there's a police car or another car there, it's you stop at a stop sign. That's part of our social contract. We all agreed that we would follow rules even when there's no one there to enforce it. And so I think that if we could somehow apply that to the world, yeah. uh, it'd be a better place. Yeah, no, for sure. And you bringing that up, Brett, it is relative to what we've been talking about, right? Like, so just imagine with this huge, I mean, this is earth. If earth if we don't care and take care of this, like we're all wiped out. We're yeah, all wiped out. The earth will be here. The earth will be here. The earth will be fine. We're going to be gone. Yeah, we're going to be gone. Right, right, right. We're the ones that are going to be suffering for yeah. it. But yeah. imagine if we brought everyone to the table to come up with solutions on what to do. Again, there is lack of diversity with scientists and all the people that are trying to get to the heart of fixing these things. And so imagine the native and indigenous community is known to know the land so well, so well, interconnected, like you don't get more interconnected with the belief system and understanding 
And what if we brought them to the table at the forefront and just ask the question, what do we do? What do we do about this? Let's consult together. And everyone came together to figure this out. There was this youth, and we were talking about this. This was years ago, but it really blew my mind. We were watching this thing about garbage and trash, that there's so much trash all over. And he said, why don't they put that in the volcanoes? (laughs) I was like, that is an interesting concept. Like, what does that mean? You know, and this was, he, he must have been about eight years old at the time. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, what what if we did do that? You know, and then the adults in the room are like, oh, well, because, you know, it'll give off the gases. It'll give all this. So, you know, but what if we really dug into that idea a little bit more, you yeah. know, and put resources to that idea? Then what? But, but what, what, listening to the kids or just listening to the or kids other, and indigenous people and other voices. It's really just giving voice to you know the unheard. Yeah. Yeah. Because they have answers and they, and they're saying it every day. If we just did this, this won't have happened. If we just did this, but we're not giving them a platform and we're all suffering because of that. Well, and and as my kids will know, I always tell them God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. (laughs) We should listen more than we speak. Exactly. And I think that that would be super helpful with all of this. Yeah. Right. Just listen to others. And have confidence that everyone is a noble human being with capacity. Yeah. Yeah. Everything we do relies upon people acting, you know, with virtue, with some moral, you know, moral ground. With If you just act in a moral way, if you just, you know, act the way you would if someone was watching, you know, that would be unenforceable, we'd be in much better shape. So... What are, I know we've solved all kinds of world (laughs) problems today on this podcast, and we thank you for that. It was a collective effort for sure. (laughs) We are, we are, we're going to move to sort of wrap this up because I know everyone's got busy and we appreciate your time. Tell our listeners some of the things you're doing, even if you're in Chicago and you want to do some things over the next month or so, like what are some of the events that you guys have planned up there in Chicago? Yeah, well, we just did our annual bike ride. So that was amazing. We had close to 300 people riding the bikes in Bronzeville to learn about the race riot of 1919, also known as the Red Summer. Uh, So that's an annual thing. So that happens every July, every July, every year in July. July. So always keep your legs ready for that. Now we've expanded to Minneapolis And also to Urbana-Champaign. So with the killing of George Floyd, many friends that are dear to me live in the vicinity. And the Baha'i Center is also half a block away from the memorial site that they call George Floyd Square. And so we have a pop-up food pantry over there because a lot of the grocery stores were closed down through COVID, through the winter, and residents needed food. So we're serving about 90 families a week over there. Donations are always appreciated. And we're having a community conversation with everyone that's a part of the food pantry, from logistics to receiving food, to see how we can make this a mutual aid place in the Baha'i Center and how can we work together to sustain it. So that's coming up. That's exciting. And then we also have the Bronzeville 
community celebration. So we're looking at health, healing, and love in September. So that's September 25th. So if people are in Bronzeville, go to Ellis Park between 10 and 2. And you'll see the beauty of Bronzeville, which is also known as the Black Metropolis. And we'll have performers, we'll have prayers for our school system. You know, the Chicago Public Schools put this call out for everyone to say prayers. That We need all the good energy <laughs> that we need to get our children safe to school, figure out a system, just figure this out, you know. So that's coming up. So. Well, uh, so have everyone definitely check out site on organiconeness.com, I assume. Dot, no, dot org. Dot yeah. org, sorry. Dot dot org, org. Yes. We'll put your information in the show notes so people can contact you. And if any, if you have any questions for Saida or for us, or you want to hear more about any of the topics that we discussed today, which I think we definitely could do multiple episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is fun. This is great. It was terrific to have so, you, Saida. Yeah, so great to have you, Saida. Thank you so much for your time and helping us understand oneness and organic oneness and what we all can do to help society, I think, just get better. Thank you. And thank you for holding the space. Thank you for what you're doing with your business, getting lawyers, because they're, they're a key component to all of this. So yeah. thank you for having this open mindset and helping others build their capacity on what to do. Thank you. Thank you, Saida. For more information on this show and other resources, visit FastAmron.com and connect with us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram at FastAmron.com.